Hello, everyone. Today, we welcome Maria Villela to Life on Earth podcast. I am Natalie Kra, your host. I really enjoy this conversation on yoga, health, and wellness with Maria. Maria and I know one another from back in the day in Los Angeles while working at Yoga Works. We both started teaching Ashtanga Yoga, and it was really great catching up with Maria and seeing all the many interesting things she's now doing. I think you'll find a lot of jewels from this episode. Maria had so many great health tips to share. So who is Maria Villela? Maria is a board-certified doctor of acupuncture in Eastern medicine and a member of the American Board of Oriental Reproductive Medicine. She has taught yoga for nearly 20 years, with the highest level of national teacher certification. She has been on the teaching team for Loyola Marymount University teacher training program for over 10 years. Maria has been on the cover of Yoga Journal multiple times and created for Yoga Journal, Yogi Life, and Yoga Anytime. I hope you enjoy this conversation. Share this episode with someone you love and you know who can benefit. This episode is brought to you by Shanti Yoga Training School, offering 200-hour and 300-hour yoga teacher trainings, both online and in person, as well as a Yoga Nidra online certification course. Check out our show notes for all the links. The more we spread great knowledge, the better the planet will be. Welcome to Life on Earth, the Peace Project. A podcast that teaches you how to connect with the divine and transform darkness into light through topics from yoga to nature and ultimately love. Join your host, Natalie Kwa, to celebrate and encourage diversity, peace and global equality, one earthling at a time. Let's start from there. So how... I would love to see like how, you know, from where you were with the Ashtanga, what brought you to Yoga Works to where you are now, which I saw the acupuncture, integrative medicine, all of that. So I think it's quite a journey, right? Yeah, it's been a journey. I guess, you know, to start with, I think I never really set out to be a yoga teacher. I just really loved yoga and I was super passionate about it. I think looking back, there were a lot of things that I was just grappling with as like a teenager, you know, Uh trying to find my way and really like dealing with anxiety and just not knowing what to do and knowing that, I mean, I grew up in an Italian household and so like the diet didn't work for me and I saw a lot of dysfunction and I knew that didn't work for me. So I was really just trying to find a way to like live a life that would feel better I was going to say, what's your background? I'm Italian. Oh, like both parents? Mm-hmm. My dad is from Italy oh. and my mother is American Italian. So Very cool. parents' parents were from Italy. So yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the only, so a little different culturally, because even though they're both Italian, they're divorced. Mm-hmm. And a big reason I think is because there's such a cultural difference when you're from another country versus that country's culture, but you grew up in America. It's a difference. Yeah. I guess I was just trying to find out, like, you know, I grew up Catholic as well, being Italian. Mm -hmm. So that caused me a lot of like stress and anxiety. And (laughs) I always had like a strong connection to God. Like I always wanted to like pray, but like, I really did it more from the space of like guilt and shame and fear. Uh My prayers were yeah. that space. And then when I found yoga, I think I went to my first yoga. And I, and then I had a very athletic background, but I was, as a child, I did Chiquetti Method Ballet, which is classic, classical ballet. And I also did some martial arts. And I was, you know, pretty, like, you know, pretty into them. And then when I got to college, I was studying art and I found yoga and so I was, I guess I was studying art too, because I was just trying to find ways to like express myself and like understand different ways of looking at the world. And, mm-hmm. and I think like through looking at art history, I understood the world through a much different lens. And then I found yoga. I went to my first yoga class because I was looking for something to do physical because all the studying mm-hmm. being in dark rooms and all that. Yeah. 
And then I went to my first yoga class and I was like, oh my gosh, this is for me. And then I just became obsessed with it. I did a teacher. And then like what happened was everybody, my teacher started asking me to teach. And then I started Uh, teaching and I was like, oh gosh, I need a teacher training. And and where was that? That was in Buffalo. I was living in Buffalo, which is where I'm from. Yeah. And, but I never really like planned to be a yoga teacher and then things just kept going. Then I was on yoga journal and like I was getting jobs for teacher trainings. And I, I just was such a dedicated practitioner that I think Mm -hmm. wanted to have me share it with others. And it was a joy for me to share. But I guess once I started teaching yoga, I really felt like, wow, I really like helping people. And Mm -hmm. I really like helping people through like a holistic lens and a spiritual path. And I wanted to go deeper and I had contemplated going to school for chiropractic, acupuncture, or osteopathy. Those were kind of the three paths that I was looking at when I was in Canada teaching yoga. And then I went to India, injured my back. And when I came Mm. back, I just fell in love with acupuncture. I think it was two things. One, acupuncture really helped me as a modality for healing my back, along with, of course, yoga, changing the way I was doing it. But the other thing was I kind of always wanted to do women's health. I always wanted to Mm. focus on women to help girls, younger women having hormonal issues and fertility issues and menopause, because I have always really felt like, gosh, OBs are great for so many reasons, but when it comes Mm -hmm. to like day-to-day finding harmony, it's, they're not really like the only answer is really birth control or antibiotics. If you have infections and I think there's so much more. And I had to go on a whole journey with that stuff, finding hormonal balance and yeah, I can't wait to like talk more about that stuff too. I'm super interested. So how how what was your entry point to yoga works? Because you you lived in LA too for a while. So you just moved there? Like yeah, at the time back moved, in- Yeah, well when I was in Toronto, my teachers were really close friends with Chuck and Mati. And ah. so I became I whenever actually Chuck and Mati did their first workshop in Toronto at downward dog. And I went to it and then I went to every single one that they taught. And so I got to kind of, I got to know Chuck and Mati. And then when I moved to LA, I had been on a yoga retreat with Mati when I was in India. And I was like, Mm -hmm. well, at that point I was kind of thinking, do I stay in Toronto or do I move to LA? And I was like, I might move to LA. And she was like, well, let me know if you move to LA, I've got connections there. I was like, of course you have connections. (laughs) (laughs) So then she Got me on like the list at Yoga Works, and then Simi, Simi Cruz, yeah, yeah Simi Cruz. She got into a car accident, and yeah, I, was, I remember that. Yeah, and after that, shortly after that, she had to stop teaching, so I took over the class for her. After her, mm-hmm. and yeah, because I taught that MySurf program too. Oh, you know what? I remember that. Yeah, remember yeah. That. And I was teaching with. Well, I was. I was. Mati was my entry point too. But then I was teaching with with Simi for a while, and then I was. I had in Montana. I think it was the afternoon, actually. Yeah. With Sonia Cottle. Sonia Cottle was there too, and then you were. I don't know. I think another studio, right? Mm-hmm. Another yeah. one of the yoga works, and then. But then I kept seeing you sometimes at Exhale too. I think I bumped into you one time at Exhale Center for Yoga. Yeah. Yeah. More yeah taking so there. I never really taught there, but I took Yeah, that. no, I think we were we were both like taking classes yeah, there. Or, or so. oh, you know, I don't I don't know if it was Annie, maybe Annie or or maybe Annie was there that day. I can't remember. Yeah. But and Annie was Annie Carpenter was teaching there for a little while. Too. Very good, well could have been an Annie class. Yeah. Yeah. Time. But okay, so that's so you came through Mati, knowing my Chuck and Mati lived in LA. For how long did you live there? I was there for about fifteen years, somewhere around there. Okay, more or and less. And you, you taught Ashtanga Meister, but did you also teach other styles of yoga? At some point, did you start, or was yeah, it you more know, focused on Ashtanga? I was always more of an Ashtangi, but of course, like being a Chuck and Mati and my teacher. Yeah like an alignment approach to it. So a little bit of a blend of Iyengar and in Toronto, like our Ashtanga classes were not super like they weren't a hundred percent the sequence. Like we would workshop things and we would take Mm -hmm. 
apart and we would kind of treat it a little bit more like a vinyasa style class. So I'm comfortable teaching vinyasa, but I don't quite teach it totally like a yoga works teacher. I teach it like a little bit more like an Ashtangi would teach it, you know? Oh yeah. 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 (laughs) Totally. I feel like I, I, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's that influence with the Iyengar in the Ashtanga. I love it. Yeah. Before I had ever been there, had never used blocks or anything like that. Cause I used to be before yoga works, super hardcore Ashtangi, but without any of the other influence. And then when I, you know, started learning there that Mati was like bringing the blocks and the belts and, and having me really learn alignment, you know, which was, which was really fantastic. So after, so, okay. So then did you move somewhere else after LA or did you, or or is this, cause where are you now? You moved there from LA. Yeah. What happened? Yeah. What happened? I think maybe why you're thinking that is because I was still living in LA even after I stopped teaching at Yoga Works. Mm-hmm. I just after I had gotten my acupuncture degree and license, I opened up a a clinic, an acupuncture holistic medicine clinic in Santa Monica, okay. and I was there for five years after I stopped teaching Ashtanga, uh-huh. but I couldn't manage it all. I got married finished school, was teaching yoga, starting a clinic, then had a baby. And it was just wow. like, oh, it's, much, it's you know? a lot. And where are you now? And now I'm in Sarasota, Florida. And that's where I have a, an acupuncture practice here, but I still go back once a month to LA to see all of my old clients and friends. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah. So I'm not ready. Where, yes. <laughs> <laughs> that's good. No, I saw that on your website that you were still like maintaining your connection there. That's really nice that you get to go there. So okay. how do you, when, when you started this acupuncture journey, where, like, where, how did you learn that? Where did you go to school for? I went to Emperor's College, which is in Santa Monica. It's actually like a couple blocks from, it's on 18th and Wilshire. So it's really okay. close to Montana. Yeah. Then, so I went to Emperor's okay. College and I got like I got my license after I graduated. It was like a five, it took me five years to complete the program. Yeah, no, I know it's intense, those mm-hmm. acupuncture programs. Yeah. So now you are you have a clinic, right? So yeah. let's move on to what you're doing now. So now you have a clinic in Florida. And what do you offer? Like what is your specialty? So it's again, you know, I guess it's like I I finally am like going back to what I really am most passionate about. And that is really helping women, you know, as an acupuncturist, you wind up being kind of a generalist because you can treat almost anything like pain, digestion, hormones, fertility, common colds, and you can somewhat treat anything, right? And if you can't treat it, you can absolutely support the treatment that they're getting from a Western perspective. Like I have Mm -hmm. clients who are on different medications and I can help. Okay. You're because you're on that medication, you're having this side effect and your body's depleted of these nutrients. So you have to take these. So I can support people, you know, who are, are following standards of care and taking medications or whatever they're doing. But what my real passion is, is working with women. And I, I guess it's like, it's helping women to find, of course, their way through motherhood, because that's a big part of our life and our journey. And if they don't choose that path, just finding a healthy relationship to our hormones, you know, there's, it's, it's how, how do we work with them? Like as women, it's complicated, right? Our hormones aren't just static all the time right? Like we go through cycles and it's how do we work with our natural rhythms so that we can have better experiences in life and we can honor those natural rhythms as they come up and support them through herbs, lifestyle, nutritional supplements, Mm -hmm. and different, different, in some cases like hormones, right? In some cases you go there, there's good options like bioidenticals, but, and that can be a really good path, but I mostly work with herbs and nutritional supplements and actually just got acupunctured three days ago. I love how would you, and I'll just say this real quick. I also, how I found acupuncture many years ago was because I had a back thing. I fell off a horse Uh and I had a back injury and I was going through a lot with my back injury. And that was the one thing that Mm. really, really sort of helped me, you know, and it was incredible. It was just like, so such an amazing gift that, that I, 
was able to find acupuncture back in the day, you know, when I was going through my back injury. That's how I (laughs) thought. So somebody who is like listening and hasn't done acupuncture, how would you, what would you tell them? What is acupuncture? Yeah. Well, you know, I think the biggest thing that shocked me and what made me want to learn more about acupuncture was that it like completely blows your mind that it works. Yeah. Because it's like, it's, it's, you have to change the paradigm from which we like grew up in. Like you have to change the way you think about the world and healing and the body. So acupuncture works on, it's basically inserting sterilized, clean, single use needles into points along energy lines in the body. And when that's done, those points all have specific functions. And they are connected to the peripheral nervous system, which reports back to the central nervous system, the brain. So it works on the nervous system, but most illnesses are in the nervous system. Pain is a nervous system, emotional things, hormones report back through the anterior pituitary gland. It's uh, that's why it's so effective. And what they've done studies actually to figure out like, why does this work? How's this work? And the best thing, like the, the best way to kind of describe it is that they've studied the brain and seen that when the needles are inserted, the frontal part of the brain, frontal lobe activates, it lights up. And that's the part of the brain that we use for like higher order thinking, meditative states. It's the part of the brain that we're in when we're healing. Mm -hmm. So that's how we know it works on the nervous system a little bit in certain cases when there's like muscle pain, we'll use like trigger points. Like you've probably heard about trigger points that they, in dry needling, physical therapists will sometimes do that. And basically when you go into a muscle and you trigger like a jump that gets the muscle to like release and relax. That is a technique we use in acupuncture, but it's not the only thing. We've got many tricks up our sleeves. <laughs> but yeah. That is one technique. Yeah. So that is working more on the muscle as opposed to the meridians, but it still points along the meridians. Yeah. So it's But what it does is it really like, it resets the nervous system so that you can heal yourself. And I think that's the main difference between all Eastern medicine versus Western and why. Very good point. Yeah. Yeah. It's why it's, it's like an empowering medicine. It's really like my job as acupuncturist is not to heal you. I'm not, Mm -hmm. I'm not a superpower. I don't have that. Mm -hmm. But what I can do is like, I've been through a healing journey myself. I understand this system. I understand the nature's rhythms. And what I can do is make suggestions or I can suggest with the needles about how to harmonize your system so that you can heal yourself. So what I do is as much about like the treatments and the herbs and as it is, as it is the consult, as it is me getting to know you and understanding like, Oh, I had a client who went through cancer treatment And she came out of it and she was like, I'm so exhausted. We started talking. I always do like an hour for my first initial intake. She was only getting like five hours of sleep at night. And she was like, but I'm always so tired. And I was like, well, why don't you stay in bed? Like go take your dog for a walk, get back into bed. I was like, I want you to get at least eight hours of sleep. I said, your body's really healing right now. So all the treatments that you went through, like it just needs the rest for you to only get five hours of sleep is not... She came back, like she just made that one change in her life. She was like, I have so much energy. I was like, because your body is really, you just, but we don't know. Raised in such a dysfunctional culture. We're so, we're so detached from nature. We're so detached from our like natural rhythms Mm -hmm. and our, the, the message of our medicine in the West is like, take something so you can get back out there and go to work and take care of your children. And there's a time and a place where we have to do that. Right. right. There's a time where you have to just medicate and keep moving. Like you can't take it's luxurious in a way to be, but where we can start to reconnect with like, what does our body really need? And look at like, there's a reason why our bodies are fighting back a lot of times. Yeah. Regardless of if you, 
are taking medications or not, like harmonizing and and finding those rhythms again. And acupuncture yeah. is one of the most effective ways I've found to really calm the nervous system. Yoga, yeah. meditation, hypnosis, all of that. Amazing. All of that. And, you know, okay, so then how does the herbs integrate with these treatments? If you could talk a little bit about the herbs, because that's another thing that a lot of people like, I have no idea what you're talking about, what kind of herbs. I mean, yeah, so... Yeah. So the difference, I think the main difference between herbs and medications is like a medication is a, most medications, many, not most, but many medications are actually extractions from herbs. Like mm-hmm. even if we look at something like aspirin that comes from an herb, if there's like red rice yeast is actually what statins come from. So there's like m- many herbs that medications come from, but when they extract just the one part of the herb, it has a stronger effect on the liver and the kidneys. When the plant is in its whole form, your body synthesizes it. It's weaker. It's not going to have its therapeutic effect as much as when it's the extract, but it doesn't also have such a harsh response on the body. Furthermore, when we use herbs, Many of the herbs are like plants. Some of them are foods and you mix them together so that it has a balancing, harmonizing effect on the body. So it doesn't hit one area of your body too harshly. The herbs are an excellent, I love herbs. I love, love, love herbs. I'm always, I do actually. And and you take yourself too for different reasons. Oh my goodness. I mean, I joke with my friend that like (laughs) my blood is like more Chinese herbs than (laughs) at this point, (laughs) but I, I don't, I'm not always on an herbal formula, but I'm right now I'm taking a lot of them and I'm getting incredible results with some things that I've been trying to work. Wow. That's awesome. Anxiety and just settling my nervous system. And I'm working with a dear friend of mine who's an incredible herbalist and Mm -hmm. I do her acupuncture. She does my herbs and it's great because we have this fun trade. I trust her. She trusts me. And And it's hard to treat yourself because, you know, you don't see yourself honestly, but the herbs are, you know, you, the different, the other difference I think between medicine and herbs is that herbs are not something you're meant to take forever. You take them for a time period to change your physiology, to give your body like a a shift. And once that shift happens, you've kind of like outgrown the lesson of the herbs so you can move on. That being said, there are some people who just like, you know, stay stuck in those herbs for a lot longer. Like I was stuck on one formula forever and I still needed to be on it. Then finally it was like, okay, no, I got to change. Now I need more tonification here. Mm-hmm. In my so it's like on some level, it's like, do we need them? Sometimes yes, sometimes no, but they really enhance the quality of your life and they enhance your experience. And, you know, in Chinese medicine, it's like, there's the organs And then there's the emotions that relate to the organs. Mm -hmm. So if you're having a lot of irritability or stress and anger, then your liver needs some help. So you take herbs that help to move the liver energy. Mm -hmm. There's heat. Then you take some herbs that also clear the heat, you know, so you look at those. And then the kidneys are more about like your will and if you're having issues with your kidneys, you might feel like hopelessness or you feel like, Oh, I don't have the will to go on, or I don't know what to do. And when you strengthen your kidneys, it kind of strengthens your connection to like your sense of purpose in yourself. Mm-hmm. And so we, you know, we use herbs, but then also many of the herbs and now they have actually studied some and there's like, certain components that actually have an effect on the physiology and the actual Mm -hmm. organs, not just the mental state and sort, but it's all connected. It's all connected. And so when you're looking at the, what you specialize in the women's health and you know, there's different phases, like you said, of a woman's life. Sometimes people are trying to, you know, have a baby and fertility and all that. And then there's also menopause or there's perimenopause. Can we talk a little bit about the different, ones so people can have an idea of other alternative methods to treat these you know different things phases in life that someone is going through and sometimes doesn't even know like for example menopause sometimes people don't even know that there's alternatives and sometimes people don't even know exactly even 
what that is like, you know, I mean, how, how to handle it, not what that is, but how to handle it because it's so not talked about. There's, there's this thing too, that's sort of, I mean, I guess it's becoming a little better, but I find that there's a lot of taboos, even with when I was having some hormonal stuff going on in my late thirties, kind of young, you know, still for that, but already, and that's my point. There's any time, right. People can have, I have a friend who's like, 33 and is going through stuff and it's like my doctor and my friend's doctor that i've known they sometimes can't spend even women's health like specialized dog can't spend more than five minutes in a room talking yeah. to you because of you know how the system is and insurance and they have to see all kinds of patients so unfortunately the one person that you know you think that would be able to give you all this information really can't doesn't yeah. have time and sometimes very just says something like oh you're FSH or whatever, I can't even remember the name, but you know, or whatever it's, it's imbalanced or this, that, but then you leave like, okay, what, what just happened? And how, and you know, then people, I find people are just Googling or trying to find information and it's not very talked about kind of yeah. problematic. So how it's really nice to hear. I would love for you to share how you guide some women with different things that they're going through. What are some options that are you know, alternative that they could, could do. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I guess I, I think you should always have an OB. You should always have a pre primary oh, care. Oh, for sure. You know, like yeah. it's always, and I, I, I just think it's, we have to be more realistic of what our expectations are of them and what they do. They do really well. Yes. They can't do it all, you know, and they really don't have the time to do it all. And but they know a lot. They actually know a lot, but they really don't have the time to communicate it. I don't even find, I wouldn't even say there's too much, like there's closed-minded doctors, right? But there's also closed-minded acupuncturists, right? Yeah. There's closed-minded closed like, closed closed yoga teachers. Totally. Totally. So, but there are actually a lot of really fantastic doctors that refer to acupuncturists or when mm -hmm. I say something to a client, they're like, oh, she knows what she's talking about. Listen to her and they support me. And so I don't really see, and maybe there was a time where it was like, oh, that's voodoo medicine and doctors were skeptical, but I get it because they're skeptical because their training is so different. And this is a, like I said, a very different way of looking at health in the body. So, but I think it's, I, it's shifting. Like a lot of doctors now are practicing functional medicine. They're studying functional medicine and Chinese yes. medicine and Ayurveda. These are the original functional medicines. They didn't have lab work back then, but these are the original functional medicines. Everything mm -hmm. they're saying in functional medicine now, the brain, gut, immune, axis, they've been talking about in Eastern medicine forever. They've always talked about it coming from digestive tract. Like it starts in the earth school, which is your spleen stomach, you know? Mm. So this isn't, we're catching up to it now. And, and the cool thing is we have some science to support it. That's really cool. But I think that the, the options are. For some tips that you can give, yeah. you know, let's say if someone is, diet is number one, diet, diet, diet and sleep. Like those are number. And, but you know, I say that, but then it, it really, the mind is number one, right? Cause if you're considered like the stress response is what throws our hormones off when we're living in a sympathetic response constantly. Mm -hmm. It throws our hormones off. And if we live on an isolated island, we can still find ways in our mind to create stress, <laughs> right? I mean, you get out of a relationship, you thought the relationship with the problem was the problem. Now you're on your own and you still have these issues, right? You get out of a, a job. Yeah. It's really, I think we have to like retrain our brains and we have to like work on ways to calm our nervous systems, change our thoughts, change our mind. But a huge, huge, huge problem here in the West is our diets, like just a lot of foods that are not food, they're processed and they're chemicals. And returning back to a diet that's more whole and has like healthy amount of protein not loaded with sugars, not loaded with sodiums, not loading up on caffeine and alcohol. We do these things because we're self-medicating, right? We do alcohol at night to relax so we can sleep. We do caffeine in the morning because we're so exhausted. We need to get out of bed and function. So 
you know, it's diet is really important, but getting the right guidance on a diet that's right for you, because there's so many diets out there. And I know, cause I've done them all. And <laughs> in the end, what works for me, I've kind of, I finally at my age, like I finally have something that I'm like, okay, this, this works. My digestion's happy. I feel good. Mm-hmm. You know, things are working well, but I think there's like, okay, should you be a raw food vegan? You know, should you be paleo? Should you be keto? Mm-hmm. And it depends. It, it really depends. And you need to work with a practitioner yeah. who knows enough and knows enough about mm-hmm. what you're going through to help you navigate those and figure out what's what's going on. And autoimmunity is so prevalent now that it's like, you know, we really have to, we can't ignore that fact. Yeah. Bodies are really inflamed. And then the xenoestrogens that are just so created just from like body care products, skin. So another part of my practice that I didn't tell you about, and it's becoming more and more of a passion because it's such a big thing for women, is like holistic facial aesthetics. Here in Florida, I can do injections. So I do like some homeopathic injectables that help stimulate collagen and elastin. And I do microneedling and I do facial acupuncture and gua sha. But I also really try to get clients to like look at their body care, their hair care, their skin care, because so much of what women are going through with hormonal imbalances also goes back to the ingredients in our body care, hair care face care beauty products yeah and household cleaners you know but yeah. all these things have an effect on our body our skin is of course our largest organ we know that so we absorb everything through there the water in our yeah. shower in our tub so these actually i mean on some level it's like okay no big deal your body can handle a little bit of it but we're hit with more EMFs than we've ever been hit with. Our water is contaminated. Our foods are contaminated. The air we breathe is contaminated. Our body care products are contaminated. Our thoughts are contaminated. We're not sleeping. We're on medications. If we're not on medications, we're still consuming like byproducts of the medicine through the water we're drinking because it's filtered. You know, it's like, even if you're doing the best you can, it's a lot still getting a lot. And, and I feel like I, everybody needs to, you can get really anxious and you can go for a hundred percent and drive yourself crazy. And then you have a whole other issue. So you can't do it all. You have to live and you have to enjoy your life and you have to partake in social events and you can't be obsessed because then you're psychologically damaging yourself. But the reality is we live in a much different world today than we did you know, even just 20 years ago. And yes, people are living much longer lives now, but what about the quality of life? And what about the increase in like autoimmunity and cancers? So I think we can have it all. I think we can have a good quality of life and live into our old age. And I think that Western medicine and Eastern medicine can support those things happening. And there's and I think that's, that is happening. Yeah. yeah. So I guess like what you're saying, you know, it's like if you, you have your, your, do- your general doctors, your Western doctors, and of course keep doing that and then maybe find a practitioner because also every situation is a little different to look at these more alter- holistic alternatives. Because if you're so many people, so many women are having hormonal imbalances at all ages now. So, I mean, obviously I heard from you is like, just what you're wearing and food and then just maybe even herbs, right? Like herbs, you, I'm sure you treat some of your patients, your clients with herbs as well. Yeah. I mean, I do telemedicine too. So I don't like, ideally I see everyone face to face. I check their pulse, but I can get a lot of information even just from like signs and symptoms. I have friends and family all over the country and they'll call me and they'll be like, this is going on. I'm like, okay, here, I'll send you this. And you yeah. Know, oh, that's and, good to know. So you see people like online or whatever, like phone and I also or whatever. do run labs on people. I do okay. lab work and I do some functional medicine tests, like some hormone panels that look at like your sex hormones and your adrenal hormones. Mm-hmm. And those are great. I look at, yeah, uh, that's great. Yeah. And I look at the just normal standard blood work. I actually ask all my patients if I can see their most recent labs. Cause if they come into me and they're like, I'm tired, I don't want to keep throwing Chinese herbs that build their energy when they are, have anemia. 
you know, or when uh-huh. the thyroid isn't working, you know, then we've got to get to like the deeper root of it. So I always like to, I yeah. am not a purist with Chinese medicine. I even tell some clients, Oh, go get on this medication sometimes. Cause I'm like, right now you need this support immediately and let's work on the root while you have this support. And then maybe you can take off the bandaid, but right now. Yeah. What what are some of the ways that someone can treat thyroid? That's not just medication. Yeah. You know, it depends on the stage and the severity of it. You you always want to work on the adrenals first. So the thyroid typically, I mean, there's a hereditary component and there's also autoimmunity. So whenever anybody has a thyroid issue, most commonly hypothyroid, not hyper, it's usually more, some people do have hyper, but mostly it's hypo. That's the one that's like, just makes you more tired, right? Yeah. Yeah. You can like gain weight, your brain function can go down, you'll lose hair. A lot of your immune system doesn't work as well. Ovarian function can kind of slow down. And I always ask them to get, or I'll run on them, their antibodies. Cause oftentimes they have hypothyroid, but they also have Hashimoto's and they don't know it. And so I always want all my thyroid clients. I recommend that they go gluten-free. And the reason is that the molecule of gluten is very similar to thyroid molecule, and it's very common for gluten to cause leaky gut. And when that those molecules wind up in the bloodstream, they trigger the immune system to attack mm. these particles that shouldn't be in the bloodstream, and then it wind, the immune system winds up attacking the thyroid as well. So I always ask them and if, and, and, but either way I say you should really consider going gluten-free and that's a hard, that's a tough one. Yeah. I'm, it's a, t- it's a hard thing to ask someone, especially me. I'm half European t- too. Yeah. I'm half French. So it's like we eat yeah. a lot of bread. Oh yeah. Croissants and, and yeah. yeah, it's, it's, yeah. but, but I get it. I get it. If you have to medicinally. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I don't like it either. You know, I don't like it. I'm Italian, right? So pasta, yeah. pizza, bread, yeah. you know, but it didn't work for my system. It didn't, it was causing all kinds of digestive issues and acne and all kinds of things. And and I think down the road, it would have continued to cause more problems for me. And I can still have it once in a while. I'm not mm-hmm. super sensitive where if I, some people are though, and they just can't go near it. Yeah. So are those conditions like, is a thyroid, can you ever, is it like treatable or do you always have to sort of watch? It depends. Here's, here's the, yes, it is like people don't have to be on thyroid medication or they don't have to stay on it. They can repair their body and they can get it functional, but there's a couple things I look at. And one is, is the woman trying to get pregnant right now? Because it's not even always getting pregnant, it's sustaining a pregnancy. Mm-hmm. And if her thyroid isn't stable for long enough, I don't want to risk her having a miscarriage. And I don't want to risk her not being able to get pregnant. So sometimes in those situations, I'll be like, you know, just maybe it's worth it to go on the medication. And then afterwards, we can work on repairing things. The reality is, though, when you have a newborn, it's pretty hard to repair your adrenals and your thyroid. <laughs> like once you enter into that, you know, so it's it's uh, when you're taking that medication, it's kind of like a band-aid, right? Like it's not or is it because is it it's not treating the root? It's not, but I think sometimes so yes, it's a band-aid. However, sometimes I look at it more like you're taking a supplement. Because if somebody isn't producing thyroid hormone, the thyroid is then in charge of so many different metabolic systems and so many hormone pathways that if that's shut down, everything else is going to shut down. So it's like, give yourself the support so you can keep everything going. And you don't have to get on thyroid. Like there's the common medications like Synthroid, Levothyroxine, the medic medicines. Then there's armor, which is a glandular. And then you can also, they also have ones that are just like isolated T3 or T4, which is the active thyroid hormone. So in different situations, people respond well to different things. And and it's really, I I don't prescribe any of the thyroid medications. I work Mm -hmm. more, I recommend they go to their doctors or I'll refer them to somebody who 
But if they wanted to do after the holistic stuff, you can help with that. Even before or during, I would still recommend they go gluten-free and then I would work on their adrenals. I'd work on their lifestyle. Like in in a case of somebody who has hypothyroid, exercise is always healthy, healthy for people. But if their body's kind of in this hypo thyroid place, I'm going to probably tell them to like not do too much, you know, cause you can, you can overexercise. And if your body doesn't have the reserves and you're using it all for exercise, that's also not good. You know? Mm-hmm. So it's like, mm-hmm. you know, your body has yeah. on function because the reserves are kind of low. So rebuild your mm-hmm. reserves and then. Yeah. And I love that you mentioned hypnotherapy in your Mm. you know, with all of your tools. Cause I think yeah. that that's so amazing. I, um, I use a lot of hypnotherapy for myself and my clients as well. I love Maybe. it. So how do you, what do you have to say about different forms of hypnotherapy? Yeah. I mean, it's been something that's been really helpful for me. I think more recently, you know, I struggled a lot with sleep and anxiety. I went through a really difficult time, a divorce and COVID, which hit everyone hard. Right. And I think a therapist had recommended hypnotherapy with me and we did a session, but it was just a one-off and it, you know, it got some results, but I listened to hypnotherapy basically all night. Like I play them to help me fall asleep. And then I play them throughout the night and it's hypnotherapy slash meditation slash positive affirmations. And it's really been great. Like I, can tell that it's changing my perspective, my outlook, because it's getting in there subliminally, right? Because when you're sleeping is when your subconscious is most Mm -hmm. active and when you absorb the most information. And Mm -hmm. it's just a really, I think sleeping with hypnotherapy or with positive affirmations is such a powerful tool to help the mind change. You know, because how often can you repeat these things during the day to yourself? Yet we think Mm -hmm. all day long, we're in a thought process, we're in self-judgment, maybe we're in self-criticism, we're in judgment of other people. We have these tapes that are playing in our head and, you know, you really have to work to change that script. And I think hypnotherapy and affirmations are a really good, really great way to do it. Like journaling is great. There's a lot of ways to bring these things to consciousness. Yeah. And then to start to change it. Yeah. Yeah. That's also powerful. I love it too. I use it very regularly and it's changed my life. And I don't, I don't think I would want to not have that in my life. You know, it's been such a wonderful technique to along everything else, you know, of course, yoga and meditation. And I love journaling. I really believe in that too. I journal myself. We all have a predisposition to something and yet there's a life trigger that can turn these genes on. And this is like the study of epigenetics, right? So what are the things that turn our, or what are the conditions that turn these genes on? And most often it's stressful events in life. It's, but it can also be environmental factors. A lot of the ones we talked about, like the toxins in our environment, Some people, we all have different things, right? So some people actually don't methylate. So their livers actually don't break down and don't detox well. So they have to be more careful with like what they take into their body. They even have to be more careful with supplements because if they take a non-methylated B vitamin, their body actually can't break it down. So it's toxic for their system. So they're actually doing something to help themselves. And then they They don't know. Yeah. And that's actually a gene that you can be tested for to see if you have the MTHFR, the COMT. So doctors, some doctors will test for these things, but you can also get tested for um, Mm -hmm. genetic SNPs. But yeah, Yeah. I guess that's really all I have to say. I guess that's like the main thing is like acupuncture and holistic medicine. I believe in functional medicine. A lot of the work that we're doing now is to find what are the conditions that turn these genes on and create disease, create an imbalance in our system. And how do we teach people or train people or help people to reverse, reverse it or prevent it. Ideally prevent Mm -hmm. it. If Mm -hmm. we're already there, we got to deal with the problem, try to reverse it or maintain it. So it doesn't 
get worse, right? Yeah, because as you said, I mean, it, there's so much people are. We're all going, go. You know, society is just built in a way now that I feel like everybody's just on this rat race or this wheel hamster wheel, and it's just one thing after the other. And there's so many, so much stimulants, you know, like stimuli in your life from TV to noises to what we're reading to what we're eating to just having enormous to-do list. I work with a lot of people too. And I see that stress level and just then not being able to sleep well. And so that, you know, sympathetic nervous system just always sort of on. And it's just really important, I think, to turn things and really start relaxing more to relax the nervous system. And that I find that where the greatest healing happens, you know, but it's almost like we have to make a conscious effort now and it's beautiful that there's people like you and that there's, you know, yoga in the world and all these tools and techniques that people can go to. But we almost have to, we do have to make a conscious effort to, to, you know, find these things. What is it that a person loves and who can you trust and go to and look for other practitioners yeah. beyond your doctors, your doctors also, I agree with you. I'm not at all anti-Western medicine at all, but I think it, it can really complement, you know, it can really be a beautiful thing. Do you, I'm wondering if you, do you have like a pillars of like health or how for you, like for your, like, what are sort of like mm -hmm. key things that you do? For example, I, for me, one of my things I have to go out in the sun yeah. and I have to do like nature time. And then you mentioned food and food yeah. is so important, right? So yeah. what, are, what are the things that are like, that keeps you balanced. So the, my herbs are a huge one. Like I'm always taking herbs or nutritional supplements. I'm really, my diet is really good. I eat, I finally have one, you know, I, for a while I've had a pretty good diet that works for me. Exercise is probably one of the most important things. Like if I could pick a massage or <laughs> doing like either a run on the beach or run out in nature or like yoga practice or go to a class. I like lately I've been doing pure bar and I love it. It's really good. But when I, that just gets my endorphins going and it seems to balance out my brain chemistry. And mm -hmm. if I slept well, if I didn't sleep well, I exercise and yeah. it really helps me so much. And then you know, I, I think I'm one of those people that's actually really good busy. Like when I'm helping people and I'm engaged in life, I feel good when I'm not, I feel disconnected and I don't, I don't like that. So I, 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 that being said, I also really need time to myself. Yeah. I really, like, I need to be introverted. I need quiet. I need to be with my thoughts. And I think that's sometimes why I don't sleep because I'm so busy during the day that I haven't had a time to process what's mine. Cause I'm so busy. Uh-huh. Yeah. So I have to keep that part of me in check, but I think, you know, I take baths a lot. Okay. I, so you do relaxation stuff. I, oh, everything. I told someone I, I drink tea in the morning. I'm very sensitive to caffeine, but I told someone, I was like, for me, it's never a matter of being tired. Like I could go and go and go and go and go. I have to really work to get tired. Like I spend my time after I put my daughter down, I spend like an hour to two hours just unwinding and doing relaxations so that I can get to sleep. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's so I, really good. Even during the day, like I spend so much time like, okay, I'm getting revved up. I need to chill. Yeah. Like, to keep my, Cause my system will just rev up and go in overdrive. And I have to constantly yeah. be like, that's not balanced. <laughs> how's your, how's your yoga now? Has it changed the practice? Oh, yeah. you have, <laughs> do you have like, you just do like your own thing or do you go to classes? Like, I don't, I mean, because of where I'm living, I don't really do many classes because there's not much here in Florida and I live close to Sarasota, but not exactly in it. Mm -hmm. I, it also, I still like my yoga practice has changed. Like it, there was a time where it was something I did to like push myself and to like strive and now it's more like I do it to calm my nervous system. And I still do Ashtanga. I do primary series or like half primary series. Sometimes I'll do some portion of second or third, but I do like 
30 to 60 minutes. And it's very like, like, I don't even sweat when I do my yoga Mm -hmm. now. It's really my whole purpose is like moving and breathing and just connecting to those things and moving my energy. I don't really work that much in yoga the way that mm-hmm. I used to like kind of work. But that being said, if I go to a class and the teacher pushes me, I love it and it feels good. Yeah. But for me, I if I want to work, I'll do like a pure bar or I'll go for a run. I mean running mm-hmm. I, I guess I'm kind of relaxed with that too. Um, yeah. But it serves its purpose. The yoga has its sort uh, of a yeah. I still have to do it. I have to do it a couple days a week at least at least three because and sometimes it's just 20 minutes but i if i don't my legs get crampy i'm like oh i feel tight and achy yeah (laughs) i still really it so yeah that's that's so nice and so maria if somebody is there anything else you want to share like with from your what you're doing or your or health or because i want to also see how how does it work to get a you know to get a session with your consultation what's the process for that Yeah, I guess uh, I'm not teaching as much yoga, but I am kind of excited because I'm doing a course for yoga anytime and I've done a few of them for them, but I'm doing one and it's, it's a, it's something to be, it's going to be about like emotional resilience and I'm going to do like five week course. And it's basically going to be talking about the five organs and the motions related to the organs and then how to work through those using yoga, breathing, meditation, and those kind of techniques. That's so, awesome. Is that online? It's not yet. I'm going to be filming it next week in Ojai, and then it'll come online in probably a couple months. They're pretty quick to turn things around, but I still have work to do on it. I'm like, oh, I didn't, I have to finish the homework assignments. <laughs> I was going to say, you could give me the link, but it's not ready yet. <laughs> it's not ready yet. So stay tuned for it. But it will be. That. But, you know, like, Yeah, I think it's just it recently, I guess I've started to believe in myself more. And I do think that hypnosis has been a part of it, but also just Mm -hmm. like breaking away from people and things that were making me question myself and reframing things in my mind. And I've I've realized like I'm actually I'm really good at this medicine. And I actually, the medicine's really good, more importantly. And I because I've been practicing it for so long. I'm like, wow, this is really helpful for people. And it breaks my heart when I talk to people and they tell me about like the struggles and the medications that they're on. And I know that there's such a simple solution for them. And it's like, wow, you don't need to be on that. And the long-term effects of being on that are not good. Or parents struggling with their children who have like Mm -hmm. digestive issues or anxiety or little girls who have like hormonal imbalances or sleep issues or emotional things. What do you think think holds people back sometimes from looking outside the box or... I, you know, I think it's really time. I think people are so in the weeds with their life. Like life is just running them ragged. And yeah, I have plenty of friends who have all the resources, you know, but they just, they don't have the time to when you, and this is the hard part about this medication, this medicine is that it's actually, it takes, it takes commitment. It takes effort. It's much easier to just take a pill. Uh-huh. You go down this path, Like, you know, if I gave into my imbalances, I would sleep two, three hours a night, Mm -hmm. but I'd probably have a heart attack by the time I'm 60. Right. Yeah. That doesn't happen now, but but if, you know, if I gave into my, but I, so I know like, wow, that's your tendency to beat yourself up, to overdo it and to keep going. So, but I have to pull myself back. I have to change that. Like, wow, I want to do all these projects and I have to like really get clear about which are the ones that are most worth my energy and time. I make myself Chinese herbal formulas. That means I have to take the time to boil down the herbs and then I have to plan. I want to eat healthy. So I have to go grocery shopping or do art and I have to learn how to eat healthy and I have to change what I'm cooking for my family And if your family's been used to mac and cheese or pizza or processed foods, children are not going to switch easy. Like it's hard to break the habits. So it's, 
it's just, it's, it's not an easy change, but it's absolutely a worthwhile one. And the smallest little shifts make the biggest differences. And it's like, you can, I always tell people like, don't set yourself up for failure. Don't try to do too much too quick. Focus on just one aspect, get those new routines built into your life. And then let's add the next level. So it's really a journey like and and this is this is kind of the hard part too is that there's a cost to my services right there's a cost to taking herbs and supplements there's a cost to buying organic versus processed or conventional so it's and I, this is the part that's really hard because it can be elitist me- medicine which i think sucks like <laughs> it's, mm-hmm. i think it's really unfair that it's not more accessible to more people because yeah in broader scheme it's actually much cheaper than going for surgery or for right but that's what i was gonna say you end up paying now or paying later because it's like it you know it's a it's an investment that you're doing in your life and in your health and not just the the money wise that if you have the surgery or the hospitalization, that's going to be so much money, but imagine the stress and who wants to be in that kind of environment. So I know it's, I totally agree with you. It's challenging, but at the same time, if we could also try to work that out in our heads, how important this is and how, you know, it's an investment in you, your, your life, and when you're investing in you and your life, it's also the life of if your children, if you have children and, you know, your family members, loved ones, whatever. I mean, it's important, I think, to take care of yourself. It's not, it should be non-negotiable, in my opinion. I agree with you. I agree that it should be non-negotiable. And I, I think that if we can be a positive example for our children, then they're yes. going to Good. And I was going to ask about your, your child. Does yeah. she, how old is she? She's six. Yeah. Okay. So does she eat? Cause we were talking about how kids, cause I've seen that too, so much, just the hot dog or the pizza. How do, does she eat like vegetables and did you get her to do that? <laughs> Yeah. So when I started feeding her, I gave her like only vegetables and avocados and things that didn't have sugar. Cause I'm like, any kid is going to like sugar. That's like a no brainer, but I wanted her to develop her taste buds for meats and vegetables and eggs and avocados and healthy fats, olives. So I started with more of those kind of things. And then I eventually got to like fruits. She had the most amazing diet until she was like maybe two or three somewhere in there. And then she started to get exposed on like play dates to like processed foods and oh yeah like mommy I want their snacks what do they have you know (laughs) and that's what some of my friends tell me in school then what do you do with the school I get it but yeah I've been hearing that a lot that my my friends telling me I don't have a child but oh my god I can't get my kids to eat five six seven years old because it's they just can't get them to eat healthy yeah and and she's regressed like she definitely but I monitor it like I don't keep sugar in the house but when we're out she can have it at friends' birthday parties or whatever, or I'll take her for ice cream because I don't want it to be forbidden. And I don't want her to think, oh, this is bad. I just want her to learn like, this isn't your, your diet. This is something you do every once in a while. Yeah. And she gets it right. I mean, she eats, she gets it. No, I mean, she'll eat. She eats really well. People are shocked. Food is sushi. She will (laughs) eat. Yeah. She, we were in a restaurant and she was like, she was talking to me about Asabuco, which is like, yeah. Oh yeah. I know what Asabuco is. Yeah. She was talking and the, a guy next to us in the table was like, how does she know what Asabuco? That's my yeah. favorite. Meal. This kid knows what that is. And it's like, that's she, funny. Right? So yeah, she has a really diverse palate. <laughs> well, that's awesome. I love hearing that. Maybe that will inspire some children, you know, parents with children because, you know, I, my, my mother's Brazilian, my dad's French. And so I grew up, when I grew up, I in a different country to not the U.S. I grew up in multiple different part France, part Brazil and, and other countries. My dad was a chef. And so I always was given just yeah. food, like really good food. Mm-hmm. Processed foods were not a part of my household and my, in my countries and where I was like, we just didn't have that as our, 
I think my it was just my mother never really had. She cooked, you know, but also different cultures. She was she also wasn't working outside the house, so there's like different things. But you know, I understand that is privilege. But I was eating broccoli and carrot and just yeah. everything kale, and it never even crossed my mind. I was just eating all that, and until you know, now I talk to some of my friends, and they're like, "Oh, that's not common." But I'm like, I never really questioned it also. So I feel like there is a way. Somehow we need to find that way for our the children now to be that are having all this accessibility and in school to pizza all the time and all the carbs and whatever, to hot dogs and sandwiches and hamburgers, that we need to find a way to normalize just eating healthy, like you said, the fats and the oils and the meats, whatever it is, you know, and just if we just they're also going to assimilate that they're going to be okay with that. Cause if I was, and your child can do it, then I think any child can do And Yeah. It might be a little bit of a challenge, but we could also have to work on that, you know? Yeah. There's something else I want to say on that note. Cause so much of what I do when I talk to people, a lot of times it's not about adding in new things. It's about taking things out of their life. Like Uh these are like, Oh, what do I need? What do I need? We want to grasp to a new supplement, a new herb, but sometimes it's just like, let's look what you're already taking. And like, do you need all these things? Let's like less is more. And the same with food, like looking at the diet and like you're eating the same things over and over again. Like, and that's why it's important. I think to have a practitioner that you work with and you, cause it is a journey. It's like, there's different levels, right? It's like in the beginning, I'm just going to like baby step, right? Like get them eating whole foods, then maybe we'll start to take things out that might be triggers. And then maybe we'll start to like, look at their relationship to food, or then maybe it's it's like, I think when you're working with a holistic practitioner or functional medicine, it's really a journey. Like the, the results aren't immediate, but if you stay on the train and you go at your own pace with it, you can really change your life. And 10 years from now, you'll be like, wow, I can't believe I used to like go to McDonald's for fast food. And now maybe yeah. you do times on a road trip or whatever, but it's not like your go-to and you realize that there's, we can make it, you know, and the other thing is like with Dr. Google, like everybody Googles and they're yeah. like, I have this, or I, this doctor was saying I should take this. And when we're struggling, we're really vulnerable. So when we're marketed to on Instagram or on Facebook feeds or just Google ads or whatever, they say the right words and we're going to want what they're telling us, you know, you know, you're going to buy it, but those might not be the right thing. And finding a healthcare practitioner that you can really trust and they get to know you and really understand what it is that will work for you or won't work for you. And they can help guide you back to your truth rather than you just becoming like kind of yeah, that is so important. Okay, so let's talk about that. If somebody's listening to this and and they want to meet with you, they want to how does it work? How, what's the process that I get? I'm assuming a first consultation or yeah. they reach out to you on your website and, yeah, and what's so your website I, tell that Yeah, it's my name. Right now it's mariavalella.com. I am working on another brand that I'm going to name my clinic and but I went back to just my name. So it's mariavalella. Yeah. And And I'll link everything on show notes. Oh, thank you. Thank Thank you. you. So they would set up, you can do it through email. You can call me. I have my contact email, phone number. You can even schedule online and you can set up like an initial consultation. I do like a little 15 minute free consult, which is just like to give people their option of like, this is what I do. This is where I might be able to help you. But even that, like just the one hour initial is only $87 and it's just so that I get, oh, that's all- great. Oh my God. That's such a great deal. Yeah. Awesome. And it's, but I keep it that way for a reason. It's like, I get all your health history and you tell me everything going on. And then I can kind of look at you and be like, this is how I can help you. And then you can decide if you want to work with me. Then after that there, like we'll do, I'll either send you for lab work if it's, distal or we'll do like regular consultations. I might recommend some supplements, some lifestyle things, and we'll just check in. And I have, you know, I still go back and forth to LA because I have clients that I've worked with for like 10 years and we still have that relationship. Some of them I'll talk to in between my trips and some I just see once a month and that's good because we just tweak what they're doing. I give them a treatment. 
we talk and if they have any issues, I'm like their trusted source. If they have like a, an issue and they come down with a cold or a fever, I'll be like, Oh, grab this herb from the clinic or I'll send them something. And yeah. So they can see you in person in Florida or LA or online. Yeah. We do telehealth. I do telehealth with clients and it's all HIPAA compliant and safe and confidential and all that. Okay. Awesome. And then it goes from there. Depends on what's going on. You work with the person for however many, however long. Yeah. I have, you know, some people move on, like they get what they need from me and then I don't see them again. Other people, they come back and like they check in with me every couple months, some people every month, some people every week, some people two times a week. You know, it's kind of like when you're going through harder times in life, maybe I'll give you more support. Then once I get you kind of stable and in a groove and you've learned enough, you go. I don't feel like I want people to be dependent on me for their life. Like I, I think, you know, the goal is to get them living in their truth and navigating the world. But I always want to be there for people because life changes and the diet that you have when you're, when you're in reproductive years is much different than what you might need when you're 70 or 80. So I think that's another thing about like living in harmony is like, we don't have the same needs. A child doesn't have the same needs as an adult. A male doesn't have the same needs as a female. So to kind of like tweak things as you're going through different transitions, should tweak both your diet and the way that you approach life, like the way that you work, the way that you exercise, the way that you connect with family and friends, you know, these all kind of change as we mature. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sure. Yes. Okay. Well, thank you. And uh, do you have a social media or Instagram? I'm on Instagram and Facebook. I go through periods of being more active and less active, but it's basically Maria underscore Valella uh, on Instagram. And then Facebook is just Maria Valella. Thank you, Maria. Thank you so much. I'm going to have all of the links on the show, but it was a, such a pleasure to talk to you today. And you know, so much information. So I really appreciate it. And I'm, this is very enriching for the podcast. Oh, I'm, that's my awesome. pleasure. My pleasure <laughs> and joy. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to Life on Earth podcast. Follow the show and share this episode. Sending you lots of love.